Join us on the Recovery Matters podcast, where we celebrate the power of resilience and explore multiple pathways to recovery. All right, all right, all right. Let's get started. Let's get started. Let's get started. I have Dr. Rick Davila on with me today. Um, would you like to say hi, Rick? Hi. <laughs> hi. Where are you? Where are you sitting? What state are you uh, in? I am in the state of Florida. I am in Dalrico, Florida, just outside of Tampa, Florida, and I'm in the corner, little corner of my bedroom. That's what my wife gave me. Oh, there so you go. I accepted it. There you go. So I know your story well enough that I know that you say your recovery date is 19, October 6, 1966, right? Yeah. Um, uh, my birthday is October 5th, so I would have mm-hmm. just turned seven. <laughs> I was seven years old and, and one day. Tell me about the culture of what it was like to you know, be in this world of recovery. What was that transition like? What what happened for you that back then? Transition was shocking because yeah. I I had I had gone into the military when I got out of reform school. I went into the military at seventeen, mm-hmm. went airborne, so I was jumping out of airplanes by July of in in in, in nineteen fifty five. Wow! Uh, and uh, I was seventeen years old. And then I, but my drinking was like so intense. I, I became a regular drinker at 12 years old. Mm-hmm. So I, I was, uh, I was very, very involved. So I had 16, I came in when I, to Alcoholics Anonymous when I was 28 mm-hmm. for recovery. So I had 16 years of real drinking with a lot, a lot of different experiences. Uh, but every time there was an issue I had been drinking, you know, I mean, I, I was, I, I had court marshals in the army and I was just totally, um, totally obsessed with drinking. Then they sent me to Germany and I got a hold of that strong beer <laughs> and, and some of the hard stuff. And, and it just, I, I just, I was just, uh, I, I relate. It's funny too, because that I got into recovery when I was 28 years old as well. Or something I don't know about okay. that that year, but even in at twenty eight in nineteen sixty six, there had to be a completely different recovery culture. What was the recovery culture like, and how did you find well, it? First of all, first of all, the recovery culture wasn't like there were no treatment programs. Right, you know they weren't out there. The, the word. The word of mouth about recovery was not out there at all. Yeah, the word it was like. I came in and I, I just I just happened to have heard twice in my drinking something about AA. I was drinking. I worked for New Haven Railroad for a little bit, which was a dangerous job for the passengers. But <laughs> I worked for I worked for New Haven Railroad for a while, and 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 I uh, and I remember I was a signal station operator in Norwalk. Oh, no. I switched the trains up to Danbury. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And so he came over, I was working and he came over and brought some booze. He also was working for the railroad, <gasps> Eddie Pettit. And, uh, and we we're having a conversation. He said to me, he said, you know, Rick, I once stopped for three months. I said, no, 
Oh. How the hell do you stop for three months? Yeah. Are you serious? He said, yes. How did you do it? He said, I went to this thing called AA. And I said, what the hell is that? Mm-hmm. And he told me, and we kept drinking through the whole thing, the whole story. And then that, that was the first seed. The second seed was right near the end of my drinking. I had asked, uh, I went, my wife at that time was going up to Bridgeport Hospital Psychiatric Group. And I went up there with her for one of her sessions. And this guy, Al, said, uh, he said, hi, yeah, I'm, uh, my name is Alan. We're talking. Then he said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sober about two years. And I actually, uh, I'm only here because my wife is divorcing me and I'm a little stressed out about it. So, so I mentioned AA there. And that's the only time, two times I heard of AA in that, in that, and just like, like I said it. And when at the end of my, my, my ending story, and I remembered this guy, Al, said AA at the meeting. And I asked Joni if I can go to the to this psychiatric clinic with her for the group that night. She said, yeah, and went up to Al. And I said, Al, what's up with AA? <laughs> he said, I'll have someone call you. Phil, just like that, that's how it happened. I came into the program. I haven't had a drink or substitute since. Wow. And, and how many, did you have a lot of AA meetings to choose from? No, not a lot. Yeah, I mean, you you went Monday, Monday, Sunday night. We went to the Bridgeport Steel Workers Hall. That's the first meeting I went to. Uh, no, that was the, that was one of that became my home group. Yeah. But then Monday night there was a, a group uh, in the North End. Tuesday night I think there was a group in Southport. Then I I know the Thursday night that my first meeting was up in Seymour. Hmm. again. So you you were driving and and my. <laughs> The guy that, that picked me up, Marty, he 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 had he had a lot of. I mean, he he was like a pie piper, an A pie piper. He piled his car up, and in those days, you didn't have bucket seats. You had straight seats across the front and straight seats across the back. Yeah, you fit four people in the back and three people in the front. Yeah, you know, and uh, and so you always had a meeting to going to the meeting and a meeting on the way back from the meeting and a meeting at the meeting. Were were there a lot of people in attendance at these meetings? You never, you didn't have as big as crowd as we have now, but yeah, yeah, a dozen. Some sometimes there were there were twenty people at a meeting. You know, sometimes there were four or five. You know, uh, there were. But there are only like a, there are only like a handful of meetings in your entire area, right? Yeah, yeah. And so you got to know a lot of people around town. Yeah, I. I you, your experience mirrors my AA sponsor, Rick, who got sober in 75, and there was still a lot of driving and traveling and not a lot of options. And then you think about how many meetings there are alone today of 12-step. There's literally dozens and dozens and dozens of meetings. You have a lot of choices. You've had a very long, distinguished, impressive career in the field of helping others. Is that what, how did you, how did your recovery transform into doing this, doing work in the field? Well, uh, I, uh, I became an LT sponsor mm-hmm. after I was in about a year and a half and I was working with the kids and 
I started knowing a lot, seeing a lot of the kids using drugs. I got really concerned about that. And one day, I um, got a 19-cent big pen and a 10-cent pad. I designed the program, and I started a drug prevention program for these kids. And I talked my employer into letting me lay me off so I can collect unemployment so I can work with these kids. And that sounds like I was a, a good hero with that. The mm -hmm. fact is, I got I got so caught up in my ego. All of a sudden, I was talking with the mayor, with Senator McKinney, I mean Senator Weicker and and Congressman McKinney, and I I thought I was hot stuff, man. Had my name on the door, Rick Davila, executive director, you know, and and I and I, I got caught up in my in my in my power and ego, because I was executive director, so I had power. I never had power before, and I and I got caught up into into my importance. The program went on okay, but but you know I just I, I got to the point where I was in it a couple of years, and I was sitting in my office looking out at the streetlight. I was actually sleeping in my office, and looking at the streetlight, wondering if I should commit suicide. So I I uh, it got to the point where. Uh, I had a $1.4 million grant approved through NIMH for the program. And uh, this within a month, they pulled they pulled my $1.4 million grant. I had to close up the facility. I had a psychologist in the area, Carney, I think. He, he was telling everybody, don't hire Rick Davila. He's a he's a he's like a parapsychology. Para, he's a like para That's all he does. And so, you know, my name was like there. And, and, and so, and I, I remember going to a meeting. It was a noon meeting. And then I, I stayed for the, uh, for the meeting. And I remember sitting at the table. But I remember what I felt at that moment. What I felt at that moment was an empty shell. I was there. I had nothing mm -hmm. to offer on the table. I spent three and a half years getting stuck in my own ego and my own self-importance and all of that, that when I sat at that table, I hadn't picked up a drink in all that time or a drug, but I remember when I sat at that table, uh, I had nothing to offer the table. I felt like an empty shell. Hmm. And then I started coming back to meetings, and then this position opened up, concert position for youth. They said, Rick, you know, the, the word on the street is not to hire you. He said, but you know what? Uh, I've always respected you. Uh, I'm having the kids interview people. Uh, and if they pick you, I'll hire you. They pick me. And that's so, how I got back into the field. So, you know, I was thrust into the executive director position when I was like f a few years over in my 40s, right? Early 40s. And I wasn't ready. But well, maybe I was ready as far as like leading but I relate so, so much to the ego getting caught up in it, you know? Mm. And I tell people this a lot, that I was seeking the limelight. Notice me, notice Seekar, notice what we're doing. Mm. We're the best, blah, 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 blah. look mm. how good we are. And then I wasn't getting anywhere. And then you know what? I'm lucky for a program of recovery, angels that might've come into my life too. I started to realize that it wasn't about me. And that's when we put in this uh, 
this principle recovery first, right? Recovery mm -hmm. is above everything. Because mm -hmm. without recovery, I don't have anything. We're taught that early on, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And Sikar is a distant second to that. And Phil Valentine, the ego, is a distant third to even that. So I'm just right. a vessel. And when I stopped seeking the limelight, it showed up. And I didn't even really want to be in it anymore, which is like, it's one of those weird paradoxes, right? Yeah. That, that always happens. So you were there for a year and you took over that program. Had some, and then just kind of, yeah, as you think about it, you don't have to go chronologically, but what were some of the highlights of the things you did that you're, you're most like uh, grateful that you had, to, you had a chance to be a part of? Yeah, well, McDonough House. We yeah, started that. it's amazing. The, the the detox program at Danbury Hospital. Mm -hmm. We were part of that one, and then and then during that whole time, I also became the first president of the uh, the, the certification board in Connecticut. Right. Yeah, huge start, role in that. I helped start that. I was the first and second president of that. Mm -hmm. And I and I remember I remember getting very very upset and left when. Uh, we started to get a lot of people with uh, with degrees on the board, mm -hmm. and they they started wanting to require a degree to be certified, and I would fight against that. I would argue against that all the time. I, I would just say, you know, people people in recovery, you know, that 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 has value, and and uh, and I would get I would get argued down a lot, and finally I just left that. You can help. You can be help others without having to get the degrees and the, the academic approval. Are you ready to make a difference in the lives of others? If so, then you should consider becoming a recovery coach. Recovery coaches are trained to help people in recovery, seeking recovery, or struggling with addiction. They provide support, guidance, and resources to help people on their recovery journey. CCAR Training is the leading provider of recovery coach training programs. Our programs are designed to teach you the skills and knowledge, what we call the science, while giving you an understanding of your own art needed to be a successful recovery coach. We offer a variety of training options, most offered online. If you're interested in becoming a recovery coach or just learning more, I encourage you to visit our website or contact us today. We would be happy to answer any questions you have and help you get started on your journey to becoming a recovery coach. We hope you'll visit us at www.addictionrecoverytraining.org to learn more. In the early days of certification for a counselor, there was an interview process, right? That was how you yeah. you passed. And yeah. then that switched to a written test, right? When you go to these computerized tests or have to fill in the little, you know, with your number two pencil or whatever it is, A, B, C, or D, how is that an indicator of whether you have the art and skill to actively counsel, uh, coach, provide therapy. I don't understand the, even the logic behind a written test. I got into recovery in 87 and early on I was in on, on fire to like help and serve. And I thought I had some real gifts in, which I do in the counseling, clinical therapist. I've always had the ability to ask good questions, right? Or, or what I think are good questions. Maybe that's just my ego talking. 
But I like to ask questions. I'm curious by nature. And so I thought I could I would think I would enjoy being a counselor. And then I looked it up to go to school to get a different degree than the one I had at UConn, then to have like 6,000 hours of supervision. And then I would get this, I think it was a CADC at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would make like $24,000 a year to start. And I had a young family and I was like, you want me to do how long to become a counselor to do this, to make this much? I can't even live on that. I mean, <laughs> me and our family, mm-hmm. you know, and this was what? 90, 24,000 was more than it is now. But let me tell you, it wasn't a lot of money back then either. And so I was, I didn't even know how people got into the field or why they got into the field. It didn't make a lot of sense. And, uh, and so I just said, I would become a, I would just continue going to 12 step meetings and talking to people and asking questions and you know, obviously, my higher power had a different plan for me. How do you, in your personal recovery, how do you take care? So let's see, 66, that's 34 plus 23. 57 years. 57 years of recovery, which is remarkable. How do you take care of your recovery today? I go to a meeting every night. Do you? Still? A, a, Zoom, a Zoom meeting. Yeah, well, you don't need meetings anymore. You're in recovery. Why did that, why the heck do you have to go to a meeting? Look, 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 look at look at your recovery wellness plan. <laughs> Connecting this to the recovery community. There you go. Well said. So you do Zoom meetings every night. Every night. I love and, that. And Sunday morning. Okay. Um, and tell me, and I, I'll, I'll kind of give you a, a, one more question. We were. You were very clear that early on, like Alcoholics Anonymous was about the only way known back in in the late 60s, early 70s for a person with an addiction to alcohol to get into recovery, to get sober. Um, what do you think of, you know, so you would be kind of like that old AA big book thumper guard, right? The guardians of the traditions and all that. What do you think of multiple pathways? I love multiple platforms. What? I love it. I'm really clear. Listen, I'm really clear. Listen, yeah. I could be I could be a, a licensed therapist, which I was. Yeah. I could be a certified alcohol and drug counselor, which I was. Yeah. I could be a sponsor, which I am. Yeah. But when I'm a recovery coach, I'm none of those. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I'm really clear that my recovery pathway is 12-step. Right. But it's not everybody's. So when I look at a continuum of recovery, 12-step comes up to here. That means all these other ways people are coming into recovery. Yeah. And and you know, and the bottom line for me is recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I think when you start when you start saying that my way is the only way, now you're making it a uh, fundamentalist religion <laughs> rather than a recovery program. Yeah, well said. Um, are there any pathways you have difficult supporting? Difficulty supporting? Actually, no. Nice. Uh, in fact, I, I've been. I did. I did a recovery coach training with a group of uh, people, which are uh, on on. Um, but psychedelic. Uh, yeah. Assisted recovery. Yeah. Uh, I did that with a group in Washington, in Oregon, in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so 
so yeah I, look at the bottom line is recovery it, it's like you know i mean my 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 ex-wife who 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 we put each other through school she was a heroin addict mm -hmm. and she was on methadone if she didn't have methadone she'd have probably never made it right eventually she got off but you know the methadone was just what saved her life anything else you'd like us to know rick uh i, I just that recovery is a good thing yeah uh, i have a passive recovery that i may have 57 years but all they are is a collection of one day at a time mm -hmm. they didn't get, 57 years just didn't happen. I agree. A lot of, and that I had a lot of, I think that some parts of my, my, my recovery story is like some people's drinking story. Yeah. I made a lot of mistakes. I just know that, I just know that I live my life now, not my story. Because my story was, it kept me bogged down, even for years in recovery. My story kept me bagged up, bogged down. It's important, but I don't dwell there. I dwell on my life now. Yeah, I think that's really, I love that that wisdom because to me it is about living in the day, right? It's not mm -hmm. your story. It's just who you are today um, and just living in the moment and being grateful for each and every moment. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope you have a, a several more years. Many, I won't say many, <laughs> but at least several <laughs> more years to contribute. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's what we, what are we going to do with the time we have left, Rick? What are you going to do with the time you have left? I, I just get back to recovery. I work on my own recovery and help others who are, help anybody else that would, wants any help. Mm -hmm. I've been blessed with making a positive difference in other people's lives and my own. I always talk, if you get my, if you call me, you always hear, uh, if you get the message is like, be good to yourself and be good to others. Yeah, so that's very, very important. Be good to yourself, be good to others. Well, I don't know if you know this, but my dad was born in 1934 and he was, uh, he passed away in 2021. So I had him for, you know, my entire life and he was on, lived to 87. Um, you know what his first name was? Richard. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just pulls all together. Yeah, so you know, I, you know, it's like one of those things, transference or whatever. But you, you are, you represent a very loving, kind father figure for me, uh, with full of wisdom, and I appreciate you more than you know, and I really do love you, Rick. You're you're a remarkable man, and thank you for kind of being a support and a guidance for me all these years thank you for for being there thank you for being who you are and mm -hmm. bringing what you bring mm -hmm. it makes a difference that was good to have you and i uh, hope you have a great rest of your day and i'll see you on an rcp interview soon i'm sure <laughs> okay and listen thank you for inviting me and uh thank you for your questions and the way you processed it all right appreciate it peace peace bye-bye Thanks for listening to the Recovery Matters podcast, brought to you by the Connecticut Community for Addiction Recovery. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite listening platform. You can also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Recovery Matters Podcast for more content. You can watch this podcast in video form on our YouTube page, CCAR, the number four, Recovery. And if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to send us an email at recoverymatterspodcast at gmail.com. We'd also love it if you could take a moment to rate our podcast. Your ratings and reviews help us reach more listeners and spread the word about our show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.